I don't want you to raise your hand on my first question, but how many of you honestly, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you honestly are here for the free beer? Okay, that was my first question that started rattling around in my mind. And I'm a very torn male here tonight because they offered me this glass and these tickets, and then they invited me to speak. It's like, I don't think I've ever spoken after my first or second beer. That's kind of a little risky for me, but anyway, I may enjoy mine afterwards. So uh, welcome, guys. So glad you guys are here. I do want to talk for a few minutes. I'm only going to talk maybe 15, 20 minutes maybe. Um, but uh, I love this idea of Purpose on Tap. I absolutely enjoy uh, awesome craft beer. Uh, my son, who's here tonight, I have four children. Uh, my kids are 40, 39, 38, 36. Uh, some of them are married. I've got 13 grandkids. And he used to live out in Boulder, and when we would visit him out there, there was Avery Brewery. So uh, he was introducing his old man to Avery in Boulder. But he's back here now, and uh, I invited him tonight, so I'm glad he's with me. Hey, I don't, you don't necessarily need to write this phrase down, but I would like you to think about this uh, for a couple of minutes. Uh, what I'm gonna do over the next few minutes, Clayton asked me this, just to tell you a little bit of my story, uh, through the seven questions. You know, how did we get to the seven questions that rattle in the minds of most men? Um, I've been doing this kind of work, uh, working with men, uh, working in marriages, in families and couples. I've been doing this for about 40 years. And I think I've heard about every story from every man. And so I know what rattles not only around in my own mind, uh, but I think what rattles around in your mind as well. And I'm gonna just give you some of those questions for you to be thinking about. For some of you tonight, uh, you're gonna be in the category like, man, um, I, didn't, I haven't really thought about that question yet. For others of you that are here, it's like, man, I've been thinking about that question for a long time, but I don't necessarily have the right answer yet. And um, so I have a friend of mine that said before he came to seven, he never thought about the questions. But since he came to seven, he can't stop thinking about it. So I don't know what your purpose was in coming to Purpose on Tap, but I hope that over the next few minutes, I'm going to speak for a few minutes and we're going to open it up for some Q&A if you have a question about it. But I hope that at the end of tonight, uh, some of you, if not all of you, will go away with a question that's rattling around in your mind that won't stop, and uh, that you'll give some time to think about it. I, I need to give you one other disclaimer. People have told me, apparently when I get excited and when I get passionate about a topic, I look angry. Like I get this scowl on my face, and some of you are already thinking, that dude looks mad. No, this is my passionate face. Uh, this is my happy, it, it's really hard to talk to you guys like this for about 15 minutes. So I just wanna tell you on the front end, I'm not mad. Uh, I'm very passionate about the things that we're gonna talk about for a few minutes. But I want you to think about this phrase. You can write it down, some of you have paper, some of you have a phone, but think with me for a second or write this phrase down, I want to improve the world by. Just think about it for a second. I want to improve the world by. And you fill in the blank. 
Some of you guys already know this. Some of you have been thinking about this. You've gotten really clear. I want to improve the world by. I'll tell you the way I want to improve the world in just a couple of minutes. But I am crystal clear on this at 63. I was not in my 20s. I was not in my 30s. It seems like it took a lifetime. It took a pretty long masculine journey to begin to think, what in the world, why was I placed on this planet? Now you're looking at a guy and you're listening to a guy that happens to believe that all of us in this room were made by God and for God for his purpose. Some of you guys agree with that. Others go, no, don't agree with that. Or let me think about that. That's great. But I believe that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. And when you were made, you were primarily made to improve the world by something. What is that for you? Do you know that yet? Do you know it with clarity yet? I know a lot of guys, they can answer this. They can answer these kind of questions. They can, they can answer the question, if I came up to you and said, hey, my name's John, what do you do? Where do you work? What do you drive? Did you like the Eagles? Do you like the Falcons? Most of the guys can answer those questions just like this. And this is the world in which a lot of men live. The ability to answer what I do and where I work and what I own, what my net worth is, etc. But if I started asking you some questions like this, and I won't do this at our first meeting, I promise you. But if I started pressing in and asked you questions like, who are you? Really? Why? Start with why. Why were you made? Why are you here? Where are you going? What's your picture of a desirable future? What about your relationships? Do you have any man that you can trust? That you can, you know, sort of do life with? Instead of doing this, these kind of questions are a little less comfortable for men and we tend to back away. It's like, hey, back up a little bit. That's getting a little too personal. Now I can tell you when I was in my 20s, I went to the American school in London. I was born in Miami, Florida, moved to London, England. My father was with the, in the insurance business with Metropolitan Life Insurance. And I go to London when I'm 11 and living, going to the American school in London, a guy comes into our house starts talking to my dad about God, about this man named Jesus. He starts using language like you can know him and have a relationship with him. You don't have to do life on your own. You don't have to be all macho about it, but there's actually a God that knows you, that made you, you could know him. This is where it started for me in my teens. But even though I was introduced to God and Jesus in my teenage years, I went off to college with probably the same kind of purpose that you had or you have. Some of you were either told or somebody told you, here's the deal, fellas. Get a good education. Get a good job. Get a good woman. Get a house. Get some kids. Get another house. 
get another spouse. And let's try it all over again. And he who dies with the most toys wins. Some of you guys in your 20s and your 30s, you think, yeah, that's exactly right. You named it. You named my purpose in life. Let's talk again in a few years and you tell me, how does that work out for you? Is there anything wrong with good education, good job, good spouse, good house? In, nothing. But what happens, every single man in this room, I see some guys in my season, in their 60s, 50s, 70s maybe, what happens and the reason why people write books about midlife crisis is that men begin to hit a wall at 35, at 40, sometimes 45. It's called the midlife crisis. And I hit it in full force in my 40s. I had the wife of 20 years, I had four teenage kids, I had a pretty good job, I was driving a pretty nice car, and I hit the wall in, first, in full force. And that's in midlife, some of you guys have been there, you're there right now, that's when you begin to think about questions that rattle in your mind like, is this it? This can't be it. There's got to be something more here. This was about 20 years ago for me, guys, that I started to think about questions that matter more than just now, but now and in the future and into eternity. A question like this, I'll just give this to you real quick, then we'll open it up for question and answer if you have some more. One question in seven, for example, is where am I? That's an uncertain question for men. If I walked up to you, one of the first questions that God asked man when God created the heavens and the earth and he made a male and female and he made marriage and family, the first question that he says to man is, hey, where are you? If you're not aware as a man that there's a reason for every season of your life, your zero to 20 is called the foundational years. Your 20s are the preparation years. Your 30s are the initiating years. Your 40s and 50s are your dominating years. And your 60s and 70s are your consolidating years. Gentlemen, all of us are on a masculine journey. And the first question is, where are you? Because every man in here, sometime, we start thinking, I'm competing with this guy. I'm comparing with this guy. I'm not as far as that guy. I'm not as rich as that guy. I'm not as fast as that guy. I'm not as good as that person. First question is, where are you on the masculine journey? If you don't begin to pay attention to that question, it's very frustrating in life because you live with this constant tension as, I'm not enough, and, and I don't have enough, and I, I feel behind. So that's a question you want to pay attention to. Here's another one. Here's another big question. If I had the time, I'd love to sit with every man in this room and ask you this question. Hey, man, what's your story? There's four questions that build up a worldview for every man, and that is origin, meaning, purpose, and destiny. The origin question asks you, from where have you come? What's your story? Some of you guys love your story. You can tell your story. You say, hey, let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you how they loved me. Let me tell you how they accepted me. Let me tell you how they fueled me as a young boy. And that would be less than 20% of the men in the room. The rest of us, we didn't have that kind of story. Half of your dads left. They walked out on you, and you're still processing that. 
You had a domineering mother that just wanted you to be perfect. She criticized you. She judged you. She never accepted you. Some of you guys are working through that. The phrase under what's my story is the cost of an unresolved past is missing the present and fearing the future. Gentlemen, I see it all the time. What happens is you're waking up. Some of you guys are waking up and you're pissed off. You are angry, you are upset, and you think it's about something that the boss did, that the girlfriend did, that the wife did, and you don't have a clue yet that it's related to something that occurred in your story. So what's your story? Are you walking around as a man that is still ticked at something that was done to you, that was stolen from you, that was taken from you, that happened to you from somebody else, and you're thinking to yourself, there is no way I'm going to forgive that person. Maybe some of you guys are sitting there thinking, well, I wish that was my story, but it was actually me doing something to her. I did that to them. And I'm walking around with a guilt and a shame that I don't know what to do with. And the cost of an unresolved past, of going back there and saying, I forgive you, and I ask your forgiveness, that's an important question for men to consider. Let me give you two more. Then we'll go to Q&A. I think a big question is, who am I? Who am I really? And I have this belief that every one of us has an original design. And you have a unique and specific design. I asked you a few minutes ago, if you were to fill out the... Um, uh, if you were going to fill in the blank of I want to improve the world by, what would you say? I'm crystal clear on that in my life. And here's the thought that I have every single day. This is why I didn't even have to think about coming to Purpose on Tap whether I got a, a beer or not. I wake up every single day of my life with this thought. I want to improve the world one man at a time by restoring men to their original design. That's what, I, that's what God has put on my life. If I was able to tell you a longer version of my story, it is crystal clear based on who my father was and who my father wasn't. The wounds that I had, I grew up with the wounds like, Woodall, you're so stupid. Rejected from the colleges that I wanted to get into. Finding my life in sports in high school. Not caring about academics carrying around this sense of stupidity and rejection. And I had to work through these wounds. And then to recognize that in my story, I wake up every single day wanting to improve the world one man at a time by restoring men to their original design. Gentlemen, all of us, in my opinion, hey, that's all you got, right? You got a speaker giving his opinion. I have an opinion that you were made by God in his image. You were made to rule and subdue. You were made to lead. You were made to manage. You were made to use your gifts. You were made with a sense of glory and honor, and you were made for relationships. That's the original design for every male in this room. But you also have a specific design. You have a genius that I don't have. You have a story that I don't have. You have gifts and passion and drives in you that I don't have. Every single man has been given a unique drive, a unique experience, an area of impact. I love it that Clayton and Michael and David and, and Calder and Tucker and all these guys, that they go, 
We want to reach these men. We'll use beer. We'll use bourbon. We'll use wine. We don't care. Whatever it takes to get these males here, get them here so that we can talk about things that matter. Who are you? Do you know who you, you are? Because your discovery of that will lead to your recovery. Here's the last question I'll leave you, and then we'll do a little Q&A if you want. I started with the idea of why am I here? Why am I here, and where am I going? Some of you guys are past-oriented thinkers. You might be like me. My strength and strength finder is this thing called context. Some of you are very present-oriented. I'm showing up at Purpose on Tap tonight. That's called adaptability. And some of you guys are very future-oriented. And you're already living 10 years, 20 years, 30 years out. So when you're thinking about where you're going, like where am I going into my future, I leave you with these couple of I would say you guys need to begin with the end in mind. Some of you, some of you men are old enough to know seven habits of highly effective people. Begin with the end in mind. So look out, and what does the end look like for you? Tommy Newberry says, think back from a desirable future. What is your picture of a desirable future? And here's what I want to leave you with, fellas, that I was saying to my 40-year-old son driving here tonight, we're driving in the car, and one of the topics of our conversation was, I said to him, Dave, I can't even, I can't even believe that you're 40 and I'm 63, and the Bible says that life is a vapor. It's, it's a breath. It's like grass that's cut and then it goes away. I can't believe I'm 63. And I, my oldest son is 40. And life has gone that fast. And it will go that fast for you. So when you start thinking out of a desirable future, here's my final thought for you. Don't just think about the next 5, the next 10, the next 20, the next 30. But when you start thinking about that question, where am I going ultimately? Guys, there's not only this life and this moment, but there's a life to come. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with me or not, I believe that you and I are spiritual beings on a human journey. We are not human beings on a spiritual journey. You have in you a spirit that is going to go beyond this life. You have this life in the life to come. So when you start thinking about purpose on tap, and you start thinking about a purposeful life, an on-purpose life, I hope that every man here will continue to think about these questions. Where am I? Where am I on the journey? Am I in my 20s? Am I still in a preparation season? Where am I in this particular season? Maybe some of you will pause and say, what is my story really? I've met enough of you guys that say, man, I'm just going into the future. I'm just getting into the future. And you think that's some pretty cool thought that I'm getting into the future, and you know quietly, and I do as well, that you're actually running from your past. Pay attention to your story. There's only one you. Who are you? Why are you here? You were made by God and for God for His purposes. And He says, I'm going to give you maybe 60, 70, 80 years. Boom! They're gone. And then there's an eternity to consider. And if you said, hey, what's your view of purpose? Why do you get up every day? 
Why do you love your wife as Christ loves the church? Why do you love on your sons and daughters and grandsons? Why do you take time to drive downtown, spend a few minutes with some guys? Man, I want to improve the world one man at a time by restoring men to their original design. I hope that you will discover coming here month after month after month and staying in this community on Wednesdays or Fridays whenever these guys gather that you guys would find more and more uh, your purpose in life. Cool? Uh, that's it from me. Uh, comment? Questions? Disagreement? Bobby? Go ahead. I didn't remember how to speak to the microphone. First off, thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, thank you. Second, looking back at your 20s and your 30s, what did you waste the most time on and what do you wish you'd done with that? Golly, super. Yeah, they told me they weren't going to be when's the next beer served. Um, I love that question. And um, I happen to be a man in a season that I... I prefer a thoughtful, meaningful question that I can chew on for a while. So I'm going to give you an initial thought, but I can tell you I, I would love to think about that more, somehow get it back to you. But um, I, wish in my, I wish in my 20s that I knew that 30 was a very big number in the mind of God. Some of you guys believe God. You believe in the Bible. I do. I, I, I love the Bible, all of it. And the number 30 is a huge number in the Bible. It shows up in the book of Genesis with this character named Joseph. He gets a vision at 17, and he comes to power at 30. You go further in the Old Testament, you, you find these Levitical priests. They had their ministry start at 30. King David, one of the first kings of Israel. You have Saul, David, and Solomon, the first three kings of Israel. David comes to his power at 30. And then Jesus Christ shows up on the earth and he's anonymous for 30 years. You, you, you know hardly anything of the life and times of Jesus Christ before he's 30. And then he comes to his public ministry at 30. 30 is a very big number. I wish I knew that. Because all of my 20s, I thought I was behind like, you know, I'm going to grad school and I'm trying to get another education and I'm trying to get more stuff to fill this thing. And so that was the first one. And um, uh, the second thing I, I will say for tonight, I really wish I knew the impact of my foundational years. Zero to 10, 10 to 20. Some of you guys haven't paid attention to it. I had a guy get in my grill, get in my face. He said, can I interview you according to decades? I said, I don't know what that means, but let's do it. <laughs> You know what his first question was? Top of mind, zero to 10, what's the first memory that comes to you? And I stood there looking like a fool. I said, uh, I was intimidated by him, and the question I said, nah, I got nothing. He goes, oh yeah, you got something. And I'll wait, and, and, and I thought, oh, you're one of those kind of guys. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, 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 I played Little League Baseball. How's that? He goes, do you like it? I said, yeah. Uh, what'd you like about it? I said, well, I was a pitcher and uh, played first base. He goes, uh, so you like striking people out? I said, yes, I did. And uh, you like standing on the mound? Yeah, I guess I did. 
But the point is, even though that's a lighthearted one, things that happen in your 0 to 10 and 10 to 20, they're huge things for you guys to pay attention to. Don't go breezing by it. Some of you have much darker answers on 0 to 10. Some of you guys were abused at 6, at 8, by a father, by a stepfather, by a step-grandfather. And you hold that inside, and yet it just infuriates you because it's so wrong. And it's widespread among males. Anyway, a couple ideas. Anybody else? Another one? Yeah, Richard. Go ahead. I love the questions, and I love that you're posing these to us. But who was it for you that enlightened these things to you or helped illuminate these for you? I love that question as well. Um, I've become okay with a good, thoughtful, meaningful question, but uh, somewhere probably the guy that introduced me to Jesus when I was 14, he was the director of Campus Crusade crew for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. His name was Bud Hinkson. I was 14, he was 34. And as a 14-year-old, I remember looking at that man thinking, I don't know who he is, and I don't know all that he does, but I want to be like him. And that was the seed thought for me that got me thinking about mentors. Getting a few, you guys may use the term coach, mentor. This is what I love about Clayton and their vision. They're, they're going to get an old guy in here talking to some guy in their 20s. I got an email today. Guy at the top of the food chain in one of these sales companies. And he sends me an email today that he's having an identity shift and he's having a value shift. And he goes, I don't want to talk to guys in my 30s. I need to talk to somebody that's gotten through this. So it's finding mentors, surrounding yourself with a few good men, speaking into your life and having enough humility that you're not the smartest guy in the room. Somebody else can speak into your life. One or two more? I, I, have, no, I have no idea on time, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, way back here. Yeah, quick question. A lot of your essential uh, questions have to do with kind of I and me, and they're a lot of they're, they're reflective. Where does community? Where does the fellowship? Where where do friends come in? Those seven questions. Yeah, that's a great that's a great observation. Thank you. Um, and I'm still too self-centered. I don't care about the others, so um, I'm, I'm still working through that. By the way, you're on to an idea, whether you know it or not, that um, if you want to know if you're around uh, a mature adult male, one of the filters that you can examine is how self-centered or other-centered they are. Um, another way I put my work is I want to help adult males become men. And the reason I use that phrase is, I'm telling you guys, I've been married 42 years and my wife will do something now. And I'm 63. And I feel this adolescent male kind of take over my being and, and she'll say something that hurts my feelings and I'll start walking away like, don't talk to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're acting and feeling like a teenager, a middle schooler. Come on, Woodall. Grow up. So a lot of the questions are self-reflective. Who am I? Why am I here? 
The specific answer to your question, question seven, is who can I trust? So that's dealing. You guys don't need ten men in your life. I don't think you need five men in your life. I'd like to ask you, do you have one man or two men? The tagline under who can I trust is this, secrets are too powerful to keep. I am a man that had secrets. I am a man who was married 10 years and my old girlfriend from the American School in London became a flight attendant for Northwest Orient. And she's flying from Minneapolis into Orlando. I'm a pastor in a church in Orlando, married 10 years, my kids, and my old girlfriend is leaving a message on an answer. You guys know what an answering machine is? <laughs> it's not this. I had one of these answering machines at my house. I'm at the office, and my old girlfriend calls in. Hey, John, it's Karen. I'm in town. Just wanted to catch up with you. And uh, I'm at the office, and my wife calls me. She goes, hey, I didn't want to tell you this, but your old girlfriend is in town. And so I tell her, what's her number? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I thought it. Um, I told my wife, I said, I'll just delete it. Just delete it. We're good. Well, you guys know the lure of sin, right? You get a hook in you, and there's a natural curiosity in every man in this room. And we want to know more, and we want to click, and we want to double-click, and double-click again. And where, did, where would this naturally take this curiosity? And it took me all the way to the point of meeting her at Orlando International Marriott Restaurant for breakfast. I'm out of bounds. I know I'm out of bounds. I don't have any man in my life. I'm being tempted just like you. And I see her. And, I, it, and in my particular case, it's like, I got to get the hang out of here. I am so out of bounds for me as a married guy. Uh, I took her to the airport. Nothing happened other than breakfast. And I just remember thinking, man, what all? You know, where did the drift, where did the slow fade take place? And I didn't have a man in my life. And, that's, that, and I kept that secret from my wife for about a year and a half. We go away every 90 days. We've been doing it for 35 years on one of our 90-day getaways. I said, hey, Debbie, do you remember that call from Karen a couple of years ago? <laughs> she goes, are you kidding me? They remember everything. <laughs> yeah, she knew what time it was. She knew exactly what she said. I said, well, I need to tell you something. I said, I actually went and saw her. And it was one of the worst days of my life. It was definitely the worst 90-day getaway. We got nothing there that day. <laughs> and no, nothing happened in there but, you know, eight feet apart. And uh, so she did what some of you guys have maybe gone through. She said, what did you say? What did you do? What did you do next? Then what did you do? After that, what did you do? Are you still seeing it? And again, the thousand questions came. I'm just like you. We all have a temptation to see someone, to desire somebody, to take somebody, and then hide it. That's the nature of all men in the room. And so to have that kind of community is to have that guy, and now I have a guy in my life. And here's the deal. Some of you guys are married. 
My wife doesn't want to hear about every lustful thought that I have. She doesn't want to hear it. But she wants to know that I'm talking to a man that there's no more secrets in my life, no more secrets that are taking me down. Secrets are too powerful to keep. Okay. Um, yeah, the sixth question that we, it's funny that we didn't actually get to is a question called, what about women? And it's not just about women. Not every man struggles with women. Some men struggle with men. Some men struggle with selfish ambition. Some men struggle with greed. This is about desire. What about desire? How do you control these kinds of desires? What do you got, Clayton, one more? One more. Okay, we have a conflict in leadership here. This guy says, uh, this guy says one more and this guy says stop it. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's what you said. One more? Um, I, yes, sir, right here. I am older, and I've talked to a number of older men whose life is unraveled through whatever. And I have a feeling these guys are all younger, desiring to be successful in their relationships. And, and I, I don't have much empathy for these older guys. I'm like, you're old, you should have it figured out by you have a life that we can look up to. For those guys who are asking the question, how do I live that successful life? How do I stop from hitting those potholes? Is there some kind of overarching answer to that? Yeah, that's a terrific observation and question. He's asking, um, hey, you're going to hit potholes. Um, a big phrase that one of my mentors said to me is, you rise or fall in your definitions, any definition. You just used the word successful. You seem to have a successful life. And my first question back would be, well, what's your definition of success? Is it that I've been married 42 years, that I have children and grandchildren, that I work at a pretty cool organization and I'm still there? What's the definition? So my definition of success is none of those things, even though I'm experiencing some of them. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. If there's one thing that I would tell you guys, if you're looking for a bed of ease, and if you're looking for a life of prosperity with no bumps and no bruises and no fiery trials and no floods, uh, you're going you're gonna to get a wake-up call. Because I don't know how life is working for you, but the reason my son's here today is he's buried two of his four children in two years, and he's going through a horrific divorce. Is that success? Depends on your definition. I'll tell you what success is, as I live with this guy for the last two years. He's a man that's run after God, and he's run after God's word, and he's anchored his soul in the person of Jesus Christ. He's anchored his life in the promises of the Word of God. That's the only thing I think that will get a man through because this life is not full of plus tens. What do you do when you bury your children, when you bury your grandchildren, and when somebody walks out on you and takes everything you have, what do you do? Do you cash out? Do you turn it all in? Or do you recognize there's actually a God in heaven that is able to help us through those fiery trials. 43 years ago, my wife and I stood at an altar and we stood before our family and friends and we quoted Psalm 127.1 that says this, unless the Lord builds a house, you labor in vain. Unless you try to build your life without the Lord, you're going to labor in vain. 
So I will tell you, for one guy, 42 years ago, one of my mentors said, you ask God every single day to build your life, to build your marriage, to build your family. And that's all I've done. And I have to tell you, it's been a hard, you know, I don't believe life is good. I believe life is hard. But I believe God is good. And he'll meet you wherever you are, gentlemen. If you're right at the beginning, if you're still considering, the God that made you will meet you and find you. And you can find that purpose. So I don't know what I do next. Do I give it? Oh, two more. No, there were no other hands, man. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get out while I'm ahead. You know, I don't want to be that guy like, okay, please ask me one more question. No. Anybody? Yeah, right here. Yeah, go ahead. So at this point in your life, you've got a very clear purpose of what you're here to do. It wasn't always that way. Not at all. So getting to that point, is that a you reflecting uh, on what your skills and talents and interests are and trying to refine? Is that inviting God in? Is it a little both? Did you hear a voice? And, hey, here I am and here's what I'm supposed to do. Yep. Walk me through that process. Yeah, I love it. Great question. So in getting this clarity, I have told some other guys at seven, I don't think the real John Woodall showed up until I was 50. That's just my story. But one of the, from, for the last 13 years, the last 13 to 20 years, the clarity that has come over time has been a combination of two things. It has been me being desperate for God, saying, God, why did you make me? What is my purpose? You know, I'm, I'm not going to be a billionaire. I'm not going to be a millionaire. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be. What am I going to be? So one of it is, is seeking God by people that know him. Then the second one, I don't hesitate to tell you guys that I'm an assessment junkie. Any assessment that you can get, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Berkman, Strength Finder, Five love languages, seven life languages. Anything that you can use to get to know you and the people around you is where the clarity came. And um, if, you, uh, if you send me an email, I have six other layers. Your design, your experiences, your gifts, your impact, your genius, your nature. All of those questions push into your unique design. One more. Yeah, right here. So, ask a lot of different questions. Who are you? Where are you going? Um, what kind of tangible steps do you think that somebody's got to take to begin to figure that out? I think a lot of guys in the mid 20s, early 20s, it's hard to kind of figure out. How do I even begin to answer that question? Yeah. Good question. He said, I was hoping that somebody would ask me a question that I would say, look, I'm autographing my book in the back here for 1995, three months payment for 1995. No. Um, seven questions. Uh, there are seven videos. If you download an anthology app, it's called Anthology Studies. All the videos are free. There's no charge. And each one of those has like a 10-minute video that drills in to the practical steps in answering each of those questions. So based on your interest, Anthology Studies app, um, you'll see seven questions, and there's steps in the workbook there. It's free of charge, just like your beer. Yeah? Am I handing it to you? No. Hey, um, gentlemen, thank you. It's good to be with you.